Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It is the Anfield up. Neil Atkinson with uh, with Leanne Prescott, Steve Graves, Gareth Roberts and Rob Gutman, who's having a think. Uh, we are going to talk about Liverpool versus Arsenal. Uh, the fact that Liverpool were tremendous. And then we're going to move ourselves along and talk about the Champions League draw as well. But we're obviously going to focus on the weekend's game. And Gareth, um, I came out of the grounds just just amazed, to be honest with you. Not, in a, you know, not because Liverpool were unbelievably good though they were at times but more the gulf between Liverpool mm-hmm. and, and and Arsenal Arsenal are a side who've got genuine and honest pretensions of finishing in the top four genuine and honest pretensions of getting somewhere between 70 and 80 points and Liverpool treated them like they are the 10th best team in the country yeah and and, and they played like that and treated treated it like they were as well and, and I think yeah. that was the that was the thing really that was what I came out saying to my mates that you know it's Arsenal, that you know that that is one of the big sixes. It's now term that is one of the biggest football clubs in the country, and they came and set up and played like a team that just thought, oh well, we've got a bit of a chance if we catch them on the break, and you know that that that's what sides much lower down the league try and do. So I was I was a little bit surprised, but also, it, as you say, it just struck you how good Liverpool were, but also how good Liverpool's mentality was. I mean, from the first whistle, if it's a boxing match. Liverpool have chinned Arsenal within 30 seconds. You know, Firmino's yeah. nearly putting it in the back of the net straight away because Robertson's charge forward, put it across the face of the goal. Firmino's not far away from that. And I, I think that just set the tone at no point in the game, even when even when Adrian does what he does, even when there's you know the chance for Pepe when he goes through. I just wasn't worried at all. I was just watching it going where just a class above these. It was mad watching Pepe go through for a number of reasons. One was the extent to which he's terrified, which is really strange. Like it was a really weird, it's the oddest one-on-one I've seen in a while. But it was more, I'm watching him go through one-on-one and I genuinely did at the moment where it went through my head. Well, if he scores, we'll just go for it. Exactly. That, 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 and I think everyone's the same. Like there's no, there's no fear in the ground anymore and there's no fear in the team either. And I think everyone's just really settled and calm. And, you know, I was watching some performances back, some bits of the match back because, you know, I just wanted to sort of get in my head. Like I thought in the ground at the time, for instance, Fabinho played really well. 
And so I'll add a bit of a scout round to see if there was one of those videos, you know, Fabinho's every touch type of thing. And and, and there was. Um, and I watched it. And the thing that struck me about it, as well as him being boss, was just how calm he was. He was just sat there spraying these passes, always in the right place, but just just really, really calm. And and they're all they're all comfortable in the shell of being basically the best or the second best team in the land, if not the world. That is, Leanne, the calm that Gareth refers to there is, is a great point. And that is, they are so settled all of a sudden in being Liverpool. They believe in what they're about. And even even at moments, for instance, when, when there's the Henderson error and Pepe breaks through, even there, everybody, broadly speaking, keeps their heads in a really strange way. There's not tons of scampering back. There's enough of it as Henderson eventually comes away with the ball. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, as Gareth said that Liverpool don't lose their heads. I think that's really important. When... When Pepe's breaking through and Van Dijk's just there, he, he almost seems annoyed that he's defending, but he defends and the you know the chance goes. That's it. I just think that Liverpool aren't worried anymore. Liverpool have had counter-attacking teams come at them. They know what to do. They know how to play against it, and they played against it yesterday. They did their job. I I agree. I don't think Liverpool ever looked like they're being really threatened that much, and I think that's a testament to not only okay the defense hasn't been great this season. But it's it's a testament to what Klopp has built. It's a testament to the mentality. It's a testament to what Liverpool are trying to do. They don't care who they're playing against. They'll play the same way and they'll win. Um, they also work things out quite nicely, Steve. I was a bit frustrated with part of the first half, which we'll come on to talk about. But there is a there's an unbelievable assurance from them, which I think is is part of what, what what's being referred to. But it's also it's not just an assurance. They have this wonderful combination of an assurance in not just the the, the physical state, but also the mental state. They have an assurance in one another, and they know that they will come to solve these problems. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal present them with basically an invitation to to play down the flanks. Um, which is it's interesting. A lot of people have, have criticised them for for the diamond. Um, there was a little bit on match of the day, and I, the, I think the analysis on match day was quite balanced, really, because they, they did say you know they showed the problems with it, but then they went, well, what do you do? Because you know we've seen sides with three at the back, we've seen sides do all types of different things to try and counter what this Liverpool side can do. They tried something different. Um, you could argue it didn't work. You can argue that they didn't lose five one. Um, and I think that you know, if 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 you were their manager, you might make that point because it at least forced us to do something that was a little bit lower percentage, perhaps than we would like to be doing. Uh, it's the fact that we've got world class delivery from from both flanks, and particularly from Robertson in the first half. You know, makes it makes it seem like a. a a silly approach to take, but but I can sort of understand why. And I think Liverpool well, I went through watching it, Steve. I'll do this now. I went through the logical sort of chain of it, and I don't think it's mm. unreasonable. I can see why it's not worked and why yeah. it's a massive it's a massive risk. But he thinks I want to play two up because I want to be able to counter on them with pace, and I want to do that. Then he thinks, but I can't only have two in midfield. Mm -hmm. So then he's logically left. Basically, he's got he's got very limited options, and therefore you end up sort of going, okay, I've got to go to a diamond. I'm either going to go three five two, but he probably thinks, well, this side always batters the teams that play three at the back and he may not quite have the centre-half that he wants at this point and he might not only want to have one on the side so I think he's decided to try to block the midfield gone you're always brilliant down the flanks anyway so we may as well almost just tempt you to go that side and we'll choke the middle and we'll see if we've got something on the counter and it nearly works but as you say nothing works at the moment but I mean the one the, the, the two things that that leads to is Liverpool as you say solving the problem or working out very quickly what the pattern needs to be um, you know from from minute one really from from the ball the ball that Robertson plays into Firmino um, and then working out the Liverpool press Press and press and press, probably more than we've seen for a while. Um, there's a couple of times we recover the ball, 
in, in literally in their box, you know, the one when um, when it lands at Mane's feet, being the most obvious. And Arsenal just aren't really equipped to play over the press um, anywhere near consistently enough. There's a couple of times when they do, and that actually gets them in. But broadly speaking, they're trying to play some sort of hybrid of the Arsenal way, and it ends up with them just moving the ball around and ending up just just getting themselves moved around by by Liverpool's pressing, which just strangles the life out of them, I think, and, and means that they are limited to those to those sort of one-off chances. And, and coming back to the the point about who they are and who we are in relative terms, you know talked about how this is kind of basically a Real Barca situation now in the in the Premier League and, and I came in expecting that this we'd be playing maybe Atletico Madrid and really it's Valencia severe at best I think um, is, is where everyone's at now I don't think there's even a natural you know looking at Spurs there's even a natural third side to finish a few points off this too now I'm going to do the thing which I often do to you which isn't fair which is I'm going to hark back to the past quite significantly and to me this is now genuinely an 87-88 style golf between, I'm your correspondent in the past you are my correspondent <laughs> in the past at times and it isn't fair but this is now an 87-88 style golf this is now yeah. everyone is now turning up to Liverpool and going they are just vastly 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 superior that's the, the main takeaway from this is that these these finished fifth last season as I said before they'll have an eye on third uh, given Tottenham look wobbly as anything they'll you know they'll have an eye on score and 80 85 goals but they mm. turn up at Anfield and they go we cannot live with these yeah there's a sense coming into the season that some of these sides the Tottenham's the Arsenal's even the Chelsea's have talked themselves into the fact that City were the were the, were the unstoppable force and there's genuinely a conversation to be had about the rest and the Liverpool maybe there was some element of aberration in the performance although they ignore the fact that we actually got didn't get 88 points we got 97 points and got to a second successive Champions League final so in what sense it would be an aberration I don't know but you could sense that and also as even but even from our I think maybe you can sense that in the media I think you can now see people fans, working yeah. within football feel very very different no I, I know I mean, but even, even as a sort of nervy fan you kind of think, is this going to be more... Of, we saw, I tell you where, he, I use it as a parallel to Chelsea the other week in the Super Cup final. I thought that was a little bit of a wake-up call for us, that first half. They gave us, they dominated us for periods of time and actually managed to look out equal for, for good stretches of that game and, and actually made us look ragged in periods, although I think we worked them out, overcame it and finished the stronger side. But still... It was, a, it was a wake-up call that some of these teams that finished 20-odd points behind us might not actually be as bad. However, that's looking like the outlier performance, I think, on the back of the Arsenal. Arsenal, as you said, I think Emery's gone into it and he was genuinely terrified. It's not just that we outplay them. They don't establish any phase of dominance in the game at all, which is very rare. I mean, all the other, all the other tonkings we've given to Arsenal sides down the years, they've managed to have serious spells. Actually, I mean, the 5-1 under Brendan. Actually, Arsenal have thoroughly dominate that second half and eventually get their goal. But it doesn't matter. We don't care by then. But I, I didn't feel they ever were able to really lay a glove apart from these very, very speculative breakouts they had. I thought I don't think Emery got his tactics terribly wrong. I agree with what's being said. Um, I think he very deliberately seeded the flanks. And actually what he did was to encourage, not just he didn't want the ball in, he wanted a type of ball in. He wanted the uh, fullbacks to put a higher ball in than they were often used to. And I think he backed his centre-halves, although they're leaden-footed, I think they're reasonable with the ball in front of them. And he backed them to be able to head things away. And so he allowed Trent and Robbo at times to put air on the ball. At that stage, it suited them. But once we worked that, that out that that was their game, I think we just moved away from them. Is the, the I haven't answered your question really, have I? You sort of have. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, the cruising, it's the cruising away, really, that I want to you know I want to come back to you on, Rob. It's mm. it's almost becomes you know trite to say it, but 
that is Liverpool are at this level they're at that the level that they play at and Arsenal just let them sort of ju- just acknowledge it and I think that that is that, that to me is the almost the main takeaway is the extent to which this is a really good side they've just spent 80 million on a lad who plays up front who we were theoretically linked with a great deal you know they've got Aubameyang in there who's one of the world's famous strikers you know I'm trying to get all the words out in the right order here and yet they just absolutely cede everything that matters within the game over to Liverpool and are reduced to counter punches like a side who are going to come 12th yeah they were like a side that realised they maybe only had two players who could even come close to a conversation in a combined 11 kind of side that they realised they had no assets you looked at you looked across across that that line of and I was going wow this is as weak on paper as I can ever remember an Arsenal side coming so they really only had those assets like Leicester coming to us and knowing just get it to Vardy because he's a bit better than the rest there's something I think um, Leanne in where Arsenal find themselves in terms of the they're trying to solve the the conundrum, as Steve said earlier on. They're trying to sort of work out this is this is how we deal with Liverpool, and it almost gets to the point you think with Emery where the way he's answered his own question is I just don't want to get battered because we get battered every year, and I want to, I want I want to, I want the feel good to keep going, and I think that's part of the setup as well is that he doesn't want to get battered, and that's again spectacular. He's thinking to himself, we've shipped four or five here, three, four or five here, the last five times we've come. And he's thinking, I'd like that not to happen, please. Yeah. I mean, that, that goes to show what Liverpool are about, to be honest. I think a lot of teams come to Anfield now and they just don't want to get battered. And that, that's, you know, that's testament to the quality of the team. I would almost say, you know, you were talking earlier about how the wide cross is in. I almost thought we were playing into Arsenal's hand at times. Hmm. David Luiz on the pitch... There's no one to head the ball. That's not what Mo Salah does. That's not what Firmino does. Yeah. And so we don't score three. You know, that's the takeaway comment. So in some ways, Arsenal's tactic worked for a bit, but quality prevails. That's what Liverpool do. Liverpool put to bed these teams. I think Arsenal are on the re- rebuild job that we did four years ago. That's what they're doing now. And I agree. I, I think they came to Anfield and they didn't want to get battered. And they, they, they sort of did get battered in a way. OK, it's not reflected 5-1 on the scoreline, but they weren't there. They, they didn't show up for me. Um, we end up, Gareth, in the in the situation that right now Liverpool find themselves, and it shouldn't matter this stage in the season, you shouldn't look at the league table until we're deep into <clears> September, <throat> but the truth of the matter is that where we are now, we have to. We're two points ahead of City, mm. having had similar fixtures. We've both been to the South Coast, we've both faced the North London side at home. Um, we've had similar fixtures to City, but almost forget that for a second, we find ourselves in a situation where we're already five points clear of Tottenham, three points clear of Arsenal, five points clear of United, um, You know, five points clear of Chelsea, and already it does look like this. the new season is now the same as the old. Yeah, I mean, and you talked about the past before, well, for me it's, it's similar in a way to when Everton were good, and I know we're going back a while there, but you know, once upon a time we did used to go toe to toe with Everton, and and you would be you'd watch Liverpool and immediately go, how did Everton get on? And and I enjoyed those days. You know, it, it, believe it or not, I actually quite liked. I enjoyed Everton not being shit, but us still being better because that really got up the noses. <laughs> um, but that's what it is now. I mean, you know, I, I see this sort of you know continuous talk around sort of being one club being obsessed with the other and all this kind of shit and being in each other's heads well yeah because they're both really good and and, and one can stop the other's ambition so you know that is going to be how it is and the fact that we've already got a small advantage over them is fantastic I mean you know look at the the fixture list and it was was a conversation in here before we pressed record you know there's not theirs looks easy for a bit uh, which is a bit of a shame 
and you know there was there was only a very small part of me that got excited about Harry Wilson's free kick because I thought they're still going to win, aren't they? Mm. They're just going to be City, and they did. Um, but but it, you know, I think we just get excited about us, get excited about what we're doing, concentrate on us. Uh, we've got the Champions League to come, the draw this week as well, and and you just know that no one wants Liverpool. And again, that that's a huge departure from where we've been in fairly recent times. You know, we've been we've had some fairly dark days, and you know, I've I've, I've been through some of the darkest, the soonest years, and that sort of stuff. So. Honestly, we should all really, really, really be enjoying where we are now. When you say about you're going, well, what are they up to and all of this sort of stuff, my thing is this. They've watched us play Arsenal at home at half five on the Saturday when the week before they played Tottenham at home at half five on the Saturday. And I'm convinced, absolutely convinced, they're going, oh, could just be something here. And then by 60 minutes, they're going. God, they're sake. good, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's it. And I think that that's what we do. The, the, the right response to watching City isn't actually to get annoyed. It's to go, God, they're good, mm. aren't they? And that is, you know, that's a fair thing to come away with. But that's that's what they should be coming away with when they're watching us absolutely pull Arsenal apart. And they and they are. That that is what they'll be coming away with. You can absolutely guarantee. I mean, we haven't got behind the scene cameras like we did, you know, a season or two ago. But when we saw that and you saw what Guardiola was saying about Liverpool, I'm sure he's saying the same now. He knows where the challenge is. We all know how big those games are going to be when we do finally play them. And in the meantime, it's just about continuing to churn these three points and every week. And I honestly don't see, you know, football's football and there's always the opportunity that you can lose to someone and, and it's unfair and all the rest of it. But if everything goes how it should do, who, who will Liverpool slipping up to? Because they're just so far ahead of everyone else bar City um, the game itself and the way in which it plays out there's already been some mention Steve of the fullbacks of them having the ball having the time on the ball Liverpool had 15 shots in the first half which is a remarkable number it means they had an attempt on goal every 15 minutes if you also put in there the crosses that get put in some of them that are a bit speculative I think you see a clear shift between first half and second half the goal obviously helps but of Liverpool calming down I suspect there was words had at half time that you don't have to do that every single time that was my only frustration with the first half I thought apart from that Liverpool were absolutely brilliant in all phases of play it was just when they got near the penalty area the decision making wasn't quite what you've seen it be yeah possibly I mean I think it's hard to do the second half because the the situation changes so quickly from the penalty onwards that means that Arsenal sort of come out a little bit which was sort of Provides the opportunity for us to to to, to be able to play a little bit more on the break in a way that we weren't sort of able to when they were they were, they were a bit more sat in in the in the first half. Um, I think the whole as a whole Liverpool, yeah. Second half they 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 they, they come out of the blocks quicker perhaps than than the first. You know, we, we mentioned the, the, the sort of early um, ball in from Robertson to Firmino, and then it's a little bit scruffy from there for about twenty minutes. I think Henderson's massive in just providing energy and. And sort of enthusiasm in that in that little period. There's there's one ball he plays out to Robertson, which didn't actually didn't make the highlights because nothing sort of came from it afterwards. But it was a fantastic ball he plays. Um, and Firmino's scoop and then shot, which just unbelievable. Is oh, it's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Again, again, someone. I think that's the they need to rethink because they need to be showing that. Uh, <laughs> I know it wasn't. Was it? It was just it was just a remarkable thing to do. Because um, you know, the game one nil as well. You know, it's it's showboating at a point when but 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 with a purpose to it, which is Firmino summed up, I suppose. Um, the Liverpool. It would have been nice if they'd have been able to, to play a little bit more through the middle and, and, and play the way they'd have liked to in the first half. But again, it's that patience and that knowledge that it will come. Sides, it, they just haven't got a big enough, I don't want to use the blanket analogy again, but a big enough blanket to go across 90 minutes and go, we, we, can, we can stop you for 90 because 
we only need to be we only need to be good for five, ten, fifteen. Um, and in this one, we were probably good for 25 after half time, and that's been a fairly consistent pattern this season already. Do you think we were a bit impatient first half looking back? Because I, I, I thinking as you're talking, I'm thinking about some of those efforts we had, mm. and they're snatched out. If you look and you watch them back, Ginny Wijnaldum's he's got a lot of time. You know when he spins on it, breaks yeah. for him. He should wait for that to come down, and he should just put it in. Mane can't believe it. That, that press you referred to earlier, when he gets it. It's not his finest. Slightly behind him, e- yeah. Even even for me, you know, for all the languidness of the flick. The shot, the sh- the shot is. It, 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 maybe that's an unfair example that one, but there's a number of them I think where, and I think it's because we're trying to force the game. I mean, the dominance in that first half is as dominant as I've seen Liverpool against the top six sides in, in in memory in a certain sense, and I think that was reflected in our desire to get the ball into the net in a, in, in a way. There's a little bit of sharpness and coolness, isn't it? Which is everything that Salah's goal. The goal is is is, yeah. is you know that that composure and. You know, yeah, Mane, Mane's chance. He does, he does sort of snatch at it. I think he should probably just finish it near post rather than going across the keeper, or, or he could literally yeah, feed, it to, near to, post, feed it to to Firmino or Salah, I suppose. But you don't, you rarely see someone do that. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't fault him for taking for taking the shot and taking a chance. It's just an unusual sort of circumstance, isn't mm. it, to to have to, to have that chance come to you. So you can understand why he snatches at it a little bit. There's a little bit of sharpness still to come back, certainly for Mane. I think um, we've seen him come back. Incredibly well in the first couple of games, and it's it's only fair that that might dip a little bit. I think his work rate was played, incredible. played really well. I don't think there was, yeah. there was any problem there, but I think perhaps just the absolute best um, quality that he can offer is is going to maybe take a little bit to come back sort of after the international break again now. Um, but you know, Salah Salah isn't really isn't hugely involved in in the first half. He has one sort of shot across across the spin far shot. One. Yeah, when yeah. you could you sort of could could picture exactly how that one nestles in the corner, but he just is patient and he waits and it, and it's it's gonna come and that's just that embodies Liverpool at the minute. I think the flip side of it as well is that Arsenal to me anyway were absolutely in the red zone all that first half. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they were like it was like Keystone Cops, yeah. just hurrying, chasing round everywhere and you just thought the level of concentration required here to keep Liverpool out, they, they can't keep that up. And, and, and so it proved, you know, the, the goal that Matip scores, they're so preoccupied with Van Dijk that he that he gets the space to, to put it in the back of the net. And Van Dijk's still appealing for a pen when it's in the back of the net. Um, and then, you know, and then, you know, David Luiz becomes David Luiz second half. And I, I don't know what the man, you know, mentioned the manager before. And look, he's got to try and sort of sell that performance as not being that bad. And the fact that they get a goal, the fact that they get a couple of chances, the fact that it's only 3 1, I guess he can do. But to go as far as to say that the penalty is soft, I, I mean, I don't know what he's talking about there. The, 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 the lad's got his shirt off. You know, everyone can see the stretch on the shirt. You're defo not allowed to do that. So, so, Have you so, checked the rules, Gareth? You know what I mean? <laughs> so the, to stand in front of a match of the day camera or whatever and talk about it being soft, that was a sell too far. I get it. Like, I get that managers sell performances and sell what they're doing all the time. But nah, that was a pen, mate. Yeah, I agree. We talked earlier about the crosses. I think Liverpool were impatient in the first half and it wasn't quite ticking. And, you know, it does second half, we get a goal, we're sound. But there was kind of, I don't know what it was, we were almost playing into their hands. We were doing what he set up for mm. us to do. And we seemed quite happy to just be putting blunt crosses in the box like we had Andy Carroll to head them in. That Like there was something that wasn't ticking. And as soon as it did tick, as soon as we get that goal, we settle down, we carry on, we go again. And that was it. And I think... 
I think almost that's what this season's going to be. Liverpool are going to take their time to get into the rhythm, and that's fine. I thought the Salah chance was a bit of a turning point looking yeah, back now. Yeah, definitely. It showed that we could open them up another way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think Fabinho was really important with that because he just mm. kept feeding those balls in behind and Salah had the pace to, to run away with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their big breakaway chance is down to the only the thing that makes the half look like it's a contest is down to a very rare Henderson error, isn't it? Yeah. The one that Pepe gets away from. But even then, I've watched it back. Although he looks like he's one on one, Andy Robbo's about to make a challenge if he t- tries to take another touch. It's they're not clear cut. I mean, and the other one they're citing is a chance when Pepe bends it around. Actually, just digressing onto Pepe, I'm confused by him as a player. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether he's. You could see him go push on and become a really top top player at this level but you could also see him be a bit of a Yannick Balassi kind of figure and I know that's just to stereotype a wide man but I don't know there was something a little bit unsophisticated about him I thought I could see why we might have swerved it and you can but, completely see why why because because he just wouldn't play in our front three like no he, you know he might have he, he would have been a player on the bench for us and we've we've, we've got really well, good that, already, yeah. you know and, and yeah obviously you get that well, what if there's an injury but you can't really live in the world of what if there's an injury at 80 million pounds no, no. Yeah, I think that's becoming more apparent. Whilst we don't have injuries, that argument holds. <laughs> well, 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 you know what I mean. You know, the, 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 there'll be an, you know, there'll be a point at which one of the front three can't play play games for whatever reason. But increasingly, you think that this this side and this manager can work things out. And um, there's plenty of ways you could you could reshape the system. It's a game, Steve, where we often come away from some matches and feel a bit like. You know, the, the defence does this, the attack does that. Not quite sure on the midfield, did anyone see you in Aldham? You sometimes have those sorts of games, and there'll still oh, be I another did. couple of them. <laughs> I think it's great. Well, yeah. there'll still be another couple of them. This, I have three times in the corner. Well, this was, this was one where I thought, you know, Arsenal are playing four centre-mids, and Liverpool's three absolutely dominate. They should be outnumbered, yeah. and instead they control the match. All three of them, and all three showcase exactly what they're good at. Definitely, I mean... Uh, I'd probably noticed Fabinho the least, um, but I think that's that's absolutely no slight on him. I think that he just he was comfortable, as Gareth said, he was really comfortable in um in the role he was in and, and you know, I think if, if you were him in a specialist position which which is he's you know, he's the best at at the club, you'd be delighted to have the two the two players around you that he's got, you know, rather than maybe more traditional attacking midfielders, if you like, but footballers who, who are really box to box and can can just do everything. Um the the quality in it. I think the, the tempo that they, they set early on, those those two ahead of Fabinho, I think was was really important. Um in that Liverpool never got into that. You know, Arsenal's ideal would have been that the, the game sort of slowed down and Liverpool really never let it do that. They 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 kept up quite a frantic pace and we were worried you know, we've been worried about this run of games and, and it looks a little bit easier now for the next few in terms of spacing out. It, you, they've only had a few days after a really, really hard run, which involved that extra time and everything as well. And they looked so bright and fresh. Didn't look like there was a, a massive problem there at all in terms of in terms of fitness for anyone. And, you know, including some of the players who you feel have, have lost a little bit um, coming into the season. Perhaps Alexander Arnold and Robertson, who who actually did manage to get you know a fair amount of preseason, looked a little bit off the pace. I thought in the first couple of games they looked much brighter again. Um, I think Trent still got a little bit. Of work to do, just just find his find his touch and his and his real quality. But his eyes not in quite, is it? It's not quite, but you, you see those those spells with him, don't you? Where mm. where it's not quite there. I thought defensively, he was he was much improved from from where he has been. You know, I've been one of those who's sort of wavered around the should Gomez get a little run at right back, and and I think you know the manager's done the braver decision, um, which is to keep keep your real quality uh, going forward in the side. 
Um, so just there's just so many positives. But yeah, the, the midfield just absolutely vindicating brave decisions again that he's making. There are there are plenty of people who, who would advocate for other things than um, Henderson and Wijnaldum in front of Fabinho. Um, I think he's found a way to make that midfield which was sort of a bit maligned last season. Any combination of three from the four, which you could throw Milner into that yeah. mix, as being workmanlike and, and a bit blunt and something you take where you know you're playing more of a 50-50 game and you've got to dog it out and you let your front three do all the fancy stuff. I think we're evolving. Since Henderson's has moved to that number eight, we've evolved the system whereby it's almost Fabinho is a third centre-back and, mm-hmm. and they're allowed to be more progressive Midfielders, you I mean you see Wijnaldum is popping up in pockets, and, uh, and Henderson obviously has got this drive to him now, which I don't think we saw in, in him as a number six. So I think we found a way of making that three a much more attacking unit than it was. Yeah, and it's not that it's not been there for them; it's just they've been doing what doing their job when they've been more conservative. Yeah. You know, there's not many workmen like midfielders who score two in a minute against Barcelona. And I think, <laughs> no, genuinely, no. there's people pointing, no. oh, and exactly. or footballers who we should sign who we we just sometimes don't value, particularly the midfielders that we've got. You know, someone of the quality of, of Vinaldum is arguably not a guaranteed starter for Liverpool every week. Well, what an amazing position that is to be in. Gareth, looking into that sort of front three, uh, and again, you can you can end up just every week feeling as though you're, you're saying the same thing, but then that's what it is to watch genuine world-class footballers. And Salah is yet again demonstrating he's genuinely world-class. Yeah. The, the goal, uh, even the penalty now, you know, but... The all-round contribution and the fact that he's got them absolutely terrified all game. I think it's, again, because it can end up feeling a little bit mundane. This is watching one of the best footballers in the world, and by that I mean top five. Uh, I'm watching one of the best footballers we'll ever watch in the whole of our lives. If you if you flip it on its head and imagine Mo Salah in another team shirt. So what, what came to my mind was, remember when Arsenal had... Thierry Henry in his pomp and how we all knew he was brilliant and you know don't want to throw Carragher under a box but Carragher absolutely ripped by Thierry Henry and we all knew it was going to happen we we knew you couldn't stop him because of his class because of his quality and that's where we are with Mo Salah I think and and, you know that goal skins David Luiz and he's just away There's, there's all kinds of people trying to keep up with him get with him push him off the ball and his strength and his pace and the finish are all absolutely brilliant and that that initial touch as well which by the way is from a Fabinho pass an early pass a nice pass um, what do you do to stop him what do you do to stop our front three and, and, and we all talked there before we gave Arsenal a little bit of a credit for initially how it worked out for them in terms of trying to stop us but as I said before I, I just think it was red zone and it was eventually going to break down and it did they can't it's keeping up it's keeping Liverpool well, out for 90 minutes on the it, red zone thing one of the things that hits me now is sides play so Southampton are another example of it Southampton for basically from 15 to 45 played the very best they can play yeah. and then and they've kept Liverpool at arm's length and maybe they've created a few chances and then Liverpool kick on. You've just been playing the very best you can play, and then Liverpool kick on and yeah. go. So at the moment you need to go down a gear, Liverpool go up a gear. And I'm just watching. And that's what happens to Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah. I'm on Real. I, I want some sub for humanitarian reasons. Second half. <laughs> and I think if he'd been, if the if the manager had been on the other side, I think he would have done because you could see a couple of times he just stops because he's absolutely shattered and he doesn't know what to do next. And he's 33 and he shouldn't be playing left back against Mo Salah. Well, it's just incessant, isn't it? And I think you know you you think back to you know Rodgers. 
time here and he, he talked that you know we played some fantastic football under Brandon but equally though you know he'd come out with phrases like like talked about resting on the ball it's no fucking rest on the ball on the Jurgen Klopp, is he? And, and this is the thing, you know, it, it's just, it's like you say, they seem to work it out for so long, but then they're just fucked and they can't keep up with, with Liverpool's incessant attacking, incessantly going forward. It's like, well, when are, the, when are these boys going to have a breather? Because we need one. And Liverpool the teams don't need a breather. And I mentioned it the other week, and I think it's a drum we just keep banging to get in everyone's heads. Liverpool scored more in the last 15 minutes of games in the Premier League last season than anyone else, more than Man City. So they can keep going and they've got more options on the bench now as well. As things stand, you know, in terms of people being fit and stuff like that, there's a few players probably getting frustrated there that they're not getting on. But they'll get the call at some point because from now on we're going to start seeing two matches a week rather than yeah. one, aren't we? So. Yeah, it's it's all good, isn't it? Do you know what I think that Salah goal does? Apart from serve notice that he's very, very good still. It serves notice that you don't try and defend high up against Liverpool. Yeah. There's been a little bit of murmurings that our defence has been a little slightly more wobbly because we're playing a higher line and we're taking more chances, whatever, whatever. So you sort of say, you could see even Norwich were a bit bolder, maybe Southampton were a bit bolder. Arsenal actually weren't a bit bolder until they were a goal down and then they Im- immediately paid for it, well, twice paid for it. Um... And I think I think it'll prove a bit of a marker result performance. It'll have people watching and they'll be going, ah. I mean, Burnley, for example, next weekend, I think they'll go, they're in reasonable form. They're a handful, but they will bide their time to use their, to use their, their set pieces. They will not come at Liverpool all rampaging. They will look to be compact and contain even on their own ground. I, I, think, I think the short-lived myth of bring the game to Liverpool was if not entirely put to get bed by that performance by Liverpool I think it was set back quite considerably uh, Leanne mentioning the defence there Rob's, Rob's, Rob's segued in quite nicely I think that Joel Matip's performance at the weekend was absolutely tremendous and there's times in both halves where he's nicking the ball ahead of the forwards ahead of Aubameyang 15 yards into their half. It's so front foot, it's so dynamic, and his, his reading of the game, his anticipation was second to none. Yeah, I mean, I, I was one of these people that actually said that Gomez should start just purely because of his recovery pace. Um, Matip proved me wrong completely. I was happy to celebrate his goal. Um, but no, uh, I, I think he deserves massive credit for the way he's kind of come into everything. And everyone kind of thought that he was just fading into the background. He didn't really have that much of a Liverpool career. He's come in now and he's almost been faultless since he came into the side. Um, I actually saw a tweet yesterday and I kind of agree with it. I think he's been better than Van Dijk since the turn of the year. I think he's been that good. And as you say there, he's so dynamic. He's pressing the ball up. Arsenal playing a high line, Massett was fine to take the ball, he was going on forward with it, he was trying to make a pass, trying to get it into Fabinho, who was getting it into Salah. There is that intricate passing, forward thinking, and I think that's what Liverpool need from their centre-backs, and that's what he's doing so well. He's, Steve, uh, Phil said on the post-match show, and I think it's absolutely right, if Liverpool had bought him, mm-hmm. if Liverpool had bought him in January, we would be, and Liverpool had paid 60 million, 70 million for him in January, yeah. we'd be saying, what a buy that was, what yeah. a move. It'd be final piece of the jigsaw stuff that you'd be talking around it. Um, you'd be going, you know, incredible move, and we've got this this one of the best young centre backs coming through as well. What a great position we're in. It, it, it reminds me a little bit. I think when when he did first arrive and he did first play, and this is obviously pre Van Dyke, there was a bit of that. We did all go. He had a good month to play. Yeah, he, mm. can, he can really play football. And you know, the, when he when he came forward and, and and looked to get involved, it wasn't the joke that it sort of became. Even though he never it never cost us. You know, there was there was some times when he looked a little bit inelegant. But broadly speaking, he always had that intent there and that that ability there. 
and then he has a little bit of of, of a dip, um, uh, but he's come back so strong, and, and he's he's younger than you think. Um, I think there's one thing about Matic that I think people sort of assumed because he was a free transfer, he was you know in his sort of mid thirties or something when he is he's pretty young for centre back, and he's he's growing into it. And it, it obviously Van Dijk helps so much, and Allison has helped so much. Um, firstly, the fact that we, apart from the you know the one crazy moment really, the goalkeeper change didn't feel like it made a huge difference to to either of the centre-backs, certainly to Matip. Um, and secondly, and, and I'd never wish this to happen, but I don't think the Van Dijk injury scenario that has haunted all of our dreams or nightmares, you know, barring it being six months, but you know, if it was three games, four games, I think you'd feel we're much better equipped now to cope, much better equipped than, than we were. If you if you start with Matip and Gomez in this game, you're right. You, you can then go. Well, we've got Gomez's recovery pace in there, um, and we've got Matip. We've got both of their leadership because I think that's that they're both showing that um, leadership, professionalism, and quality. And that's a huge testament to to everyone really to to Van Dijk himself as well because I think he's helped sort of remake and, and remodel this defence and what it's all about but massive I mean his involvement you know you, you could see him playing centre midfield for a team um, or defensive midfield number six for, for a team lower down lower down the league or, or you know in a, in a different league because um, he has got he, he's got quality on the ball it, it just doesn't look like he has and sometimes that's the most de- deceptive thing for other teams as well is they don't expect him to to pick to pick a pass that he can pick and, and the he more and more he backs you himself know. yeah you can see it you know, yeah. he just his his body's sort of outgrown it, I suppose, mm. to a certain extent. But he's 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 got that real that real quality and class on the ball, and I think that does allow Van Dijk at times as well to 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 cruise a little bit through games where we need him to, because we need him ideally, despite what I just said, we need him to play probably sixty games this season. So, I I think part of the judgment on Matt, if, we, if he continues in this vein, he continues to develop and look, albeit world world class. Um, I think we'll be come to see the, the the phase beforehand as actually what it was, which was an injury hit phase. That's well, yeah. I mean, I hope he stays fit now. But actually, if you look at the period preceding last season's the run that starts last season, he's very rarely more than six weeks away from his next injury, isn't he? Continuously, so he's always on the always on the back foot, yeah. always always protecting his body a little bit. So you know. Klopp invested in him early doors, not as a, an interim. I think he thought he was getting a genuine talent. I think he was only 22, cutting for 23. As you said, he was young when he came in on this. This is something the manager spotted. This was a serious football. And he's had, you know, there, there, was, there was some illnesses in there. He sort of yeah. practised him in with, in with Lovren as someone who was always going to be two or three games away from a little from a little problem that would keep him out. And that seems to have been overcome in the way that it does for, for players when, when they when they mature and then it hasn't for Lovren. Um and then, pers- you know, I think there was a bit of a dispute with the Cameroon national side and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. He's retired from that, hasn't he? And all of that and diff- changes in culture and everything that, that you allow for some players and somehow we don't for others. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we sort of are now, I think, seeing the best of the best of John Matip and everyone sort of appreciates that. Um, moving it sort of along, Gareth, uh, just quickly on the keeper. He ends up with not a lot to do, but he does make the big save, and I do hope he feels good for making the big save. You know, I think it's it's still a little bit dodgy, and even he, the distribution is going to be... It's just a fine margin between genuine world-class, which is what Alisson is. You know, for instance, the ball that actually leads to the Salah goal comes from Adrian, but it's the wrong mm. ball. Trent ends up in a bit of a mess and rolls it into Fabinho, which is maybe not even the right pass, but Fabinho makes it, makes it the right pass and does brilliantly. But that all stems from the keeper maybe doing the wrong 
wrong thing. But it's only a maybe and it's only just what he what he can do and what we need him to do is save things when called upon. And I think that that's yeah. it. And I think if you're the gaffer there, he comes off and you say, you saved it when you needed to, mate. You, you, you know, you couldn't do anything about the goal. All right, we move forward. Yeah, I mean, he probably gets away with it a little bit, doesn't he? And that, you know, Aubameyang's not far from putting that on the net when he, he decides to come out. And there's no need for him to come out there. You know, Van, Van Dijk's there pretty much. And Van Dijk's telling him to stay as well. And then for some reason, he was shouting back at... Van Dijk afterwards and I'm not sure what he was shouting back but it was definitely him who was in the wrong I don't know why he'd come that far that was a bit of a sort of brain fart situation maybe it's in his head that he needs to come that he needs to be off his line quickly knowing what Alisson's done for us and, and maybe knowing what the criticisms of Mignolet were but look I'm fine with him broadly speaking I just think you know we've talked about him before and I just think he's a second choice goalkeeper and when the first choice goalkeeper's the best or one of the best in the world then there's going to be a drop off and we've just got to get used to that fact and I think we just get through this period we stay behind them we don't create the situation where it's like ooh anytime it goes near them mm-hmm. you know because Anfield's been really positive now for some time thought it was great again on Saturday thought you know loved the, how, how much everyone was getting into telling Arsenal that we were champions of Europe and, and, and sort of lo- long may all that continue let's not develop a story around one of our players where we're beating them up ourselves because that doesn't help anyone um, do you remember Arsenal I actually, think he's done fine Arsenal we went our crowd which was raucous and, and noisy went quiet for about two minutes in the middle of the first half just to, to and they they just picked that gap Arsenal to sing uh, we, we forgot, forgot you were here, they you did, were here. <laughs> they did, I, unbelievable it was like they were waiting for their moment they'd been quiet for 30 seconds let's go for it <laughs> <laughs> it was so out of a yeah. I, I, I don't I don't think his kicking is is bad. I think he backs himself he backs himself as some, as if he's someone who can kick the ball better than mm, he can. Yeah. But I think that's I think that's what the manager wants. Um, I think it probably picks the wrong option, which results in the goal. But the real wrong option will be to hold onto it and hoof it down the pitch. Um, you know, on the bounce in a way that I think would reassure a lot of us but is not what this team's about and not what this manager wants so he's coming and he's doing a much better impression of the type of goalkeeper that Liverpool would, would rather have than, yeah. than the options that we did have the option the option that we did have who I think is technically a better goalkeeper at saving things but this this is a, a goalkeeper who's doing some, something different and doing I, I mean I've seen I think I've seen every goalkeeper I've ever watched do that thing that happens with the Aubameyang chance when he doesn't quite sort out, doesn't want to collide with his own centre-back, doesn't want to play it off him, doesn't want to do the thing that they probably should do, which is just kick it horizontally off, just out for a throw-in, because that looks horrible. But because it looks horrible, no one ever wants to do it. Um, Edison does it two years ago, doesn't he? The, the, yeah. Most goalkeepers have done it. I suppose it's the fact that I've seen him do things that I've seen other goalkeepers do, like twice in a row now. So, you know, it's it's, it's not ideal. It's a montage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a small sample size, we're seeing, you know, we're, we're seeing the full range of, of his of his qualities. But I think he does he does well to stand up for the, um, for the one-on-one, and he doesn't seem to be rocked and, and set back by his mistakes. It doesn't stop him. Do you think he's trying to be too play? Liverpool? Because I had this discussion with someone yesterday. I almost feel like he's trying too hard to pass the ball out the back. He's come in and he thinks, that's what I need to do mm. now. And he's trying too hard to do it, especially with this new rule. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy with him doing it. I think I think that's he's got, he's got to. You know, yeah. it, It's not going to have 
that long, hopefully now, to, to play um, in that role. And if you don't back who you are and the type of player you are, and I think he is that type of goalkeeper. I don't think he's he's sort of adjusting his game. He's just not as good as it. Yeah. And that's not, so, think, no blame. He's I not as good as the best in the world. I think a couple more decent... I think a couple of clean sheets yeah. and error-free games from him, would, would. I think you could see him go up a level. Confidence. He's coming... It's, it's a lot of pressure, really. He's an Alisson's shadow everyone's watching if he's going to make ricks. He has made a terrible rick at Southampton. Um, I thought he looked 5, 15% better than he has. I thought he looked, sli- he looked slightly more at home in our goal. I don't think he made people nervous. Uh, generally, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm never going to stop criticizing I think the crowd Mignolet. Was was, I, think was... I, I, I think Mignolet endlessly made the players around him nervous. I don't think Adrian makes players around him nervous. And I think, I think once he begins to exude confidence his body language says I, I feel at home here in a couple of games well it might not happen but it could happen to him. I think Burnley's an interesting test for him I don't know what kind of goalkeeper he is when the ball's hung underneath his crossbar I think we're about to find out but I think if he gets through that test that could be a big, makes big it, win there's a couple of nice takes um, second half I think that he that he, he just claims and catches and no no real no real worries didn't, didn't seem to, to sort of struggle I mean no, no no it's Arsenal so it's not quite the same test that Ashley Barnes and and Chris mm. Wood are going to provide, um, but he but he he didn't he doesn't seem particularly phased by that. But we'll we'll see. Um, all right then, uh, move forward towards the Champions League draw. Uh, Liverpool can get. Uh, it looks like it'll be a combination of Ajax isn't hundred percent, but it should happen. Uh, Atletico Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, Napoli, Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, Benfica, um, or Real Madrid. Um, pot two. That's pot two. Yes, uh, pot That's three. Right. Sorry? Let's be right, Neil. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, part three Pots is Pots. Leon Bayer, Leverkusen, Valencia. Um, Red Bull, Salzburg might actually get in. Inter Milan might be in. There's a couple more that are a bit touch and go because there's a little bit of dependence on the, on the qualifying rounds. And Pot four uh, gives opportunities for Lille or Genk, uh, Locomotive Moscow, Galatasaray, Atalanta. Atalanta will play their match at the San Siro, Dan Ostrom was telling me authoritatively mm. last week, uh, which is pretty exciting, actually. The opportunity to go to the San Zero, uh, but not before face they demolish it. Uh, before they demolish it. Uh, Leipzig and I think FC Copenhagen are in there as well. Slavia Prague or Cluj, Neil. Excellent stuff, Rob. I like I'm it. I'm very up on this one. You're I'm very tested. up on this one. So who do you want? I want, I want the group of shite. I always, I always, I always go for straight for this path of least resistance for Liverpool. So who's the shitest in pot two again? Is it Benfica? Probably. I think Benfica are probably the weakest in pot two. Um, in the in the last in the pot forwards, I definitely want Slavia, Pla- Prague, or Cluj. I think that's a nice European away that one, and neither are very strong. Three, Leon. I don't. I think there'll be a reasonable handful. Nice place to go, but I don't think they're very good, really. Who else is crap in pot three? Remind me. Uh, who else is crap in pot three? Uh, Salzburg. Salzburg. Oh yeah, please. <laughs> That'd be nice. I think, December, I think young boys are in the mix. Are they indeed? Somewhere, yeah, Mr. Young boys are in the mix. I mean, potentially. The main part of all this, Gareth, is what you said before, which is everyone will be scared of us. We shouldn't yeah. be scared of anyone. Um, I couldn't really be bothered getting Real Madrid in that it become a big psychodrama. I can't really be bothered getting Atletico Madrid either because they'll make us run loads. Uh, but mostly, I'm just a bit like, yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm like that as well. I mean, you read all those names out and I was just kind of like, okay, Sam, we get who we get. I mean, you know, obviously there's there's some nice sound the trips in there. I'm sure lots of people... 
um, like the prospect of going to Amsterdam um, and Salzburg would be another nice one um, but yeah I'm, I'm honestly not concerned we've won the European Cup we, and we, are, we haven't done it where it was sort of you know we, we did it by some kind of fluke with a load of crap players in our squad and, and, and then we drop off a cliff we've done it and we're still at that level we, we'll, be, we'll be in the latter stages of the competition again whoever we get and we'll be challenging for the league again and I'm absolutely fine with whoever we get be nice to fly at it, I have to say, given our fixture congestion around Christmas. Be nice to, fo- I know it never happens this way. Yeah, to get that, to get the last game being a dead robber. I mean, truly a dead robber, so that we can go. We've won the group now, I'm not just qualified. That would be that's the dream scenario here. So I think the draw matters in that sense. If we got, uh, it's likely to be quite tough because there's a better than a third chance we get one of the Madrid sides, and that's going to be a handful, and we could get into Milan. What blah blah blah, but. But that's the dream for me because because December December's got um, the World Club thingy and all the other congestion mm, issues. So I, I think that should be at the back of our minds. Uh, Leanne, any preferences from your side? Anything that you don't want? I feel like I'm the complete opposite. I want us to get the, the good teams. I want us to get the hard teams. I think you want the glamour. Yeah, I just okay. think you need momentum in this time of the year. Um, and Liverpool always rise to the big occasion. We saw last season, ironically, we started the Champions League so poorly because we almost walked into games and we thought we'd won them before we even played. I would rather us play the Real Madrids and the Atletico Madrids and whoever because I just think we rise to the occasion. It brings the best out of us. And then we can repeat that on the league. I'm just a little bit scared of not scared is the wrong word, but we've got we've got a period where so it's United uh, the weekend, Tottenham the following weekend. Yeah. I don't want Real Madrid in the middle of that because I think we did. Although there were some games which we sh- we, we, we were casual and I think like you know United nice the shit like Red Star. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But they'll, they'll, it's a it's a, it's a dive. We, we didn't beat them last time we went there, and we were still the same. Yeah. So it's not it's not never a given going there. Uh, also, you know, I, I although. Yeah, Napoli and Paris Saint-Germain were handfuls for us yeah. I'd rather slightly less handfuls I think we deserve it if we're in pot one I think there's a there's a, an argument for the strongest pot two that you can get and then we sort of just divide the spoils among two terrible mm. pot three and four sides and most of three and four sides are, are pretty different, differing degrees of poor um, so I think that there's, there's no real it, it's hard to construct a real group of death you probably what go into in pot three would be the hardest and Real Valencia maybe in pot three Real Madrid Inter and then maybe you couldn't get Real Madrid and Valencia could you so you'd have to be Real Madrid Inter Real Madrid Inter and say Galatasaray yeah would well, just feel a bit like God, I mean, Gal- like Galatasaray or, or you could you know there's the journey times I think as, mm. as much as anything so you, you say to me we play United and Spurs with Real Madrid in the middle I don't really want to do it playing Shakhtar Donetsk in the middle mm. or although, are they even playing in Donetsk at the minute Donetsk sure. pot two. you never know where these last do they pot Sorry? They're the easiest pot to... Oh, I like that. I don't know what that, that was, but <laughs> someone's about to play Zed cars. Bounce, bounce balls. <laughs> what did you say? It's the yeah, Shakhtar boys. They probably are the easiest side, but they are... <laughs> the rapid sound. <laughs> they are the journey that you probably don't want um, in there. I don't even know how it all works out, whether that's even possible. I think just at Anfield, we can beat most... You know, we, we were terrible away in the group mm. stage last time, and we, we were still more than capable because of our home form. And, you know, you'd have to hope that we do win a game away this time, and that would that would massively help. You don't want to put Naby Keiter on planes, I'm realising. He always gets injured after he's been on a plane. Mr T. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's so, something about... <laughs> or get, you, 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 Dennis Bergkamp, and Mr T. He needs, upgrade, he needs upgrading. You, you'd love that. that. That's your dream <laughs> oh, dinner party. Yeah, that exactly, yeah, it is. <laughs> Three-minute dinghy across the med. <laughs> 
Uh, all right then uh, fabulous stuff indeed thank you very much to Steve to Rob to Gareth and to Leanne uh, Liverpool are most definitely on the march like nothing you've seen in your whole lives they're absolutely fantastic at the minute against Arsenal they're not going to stop anytime soon Champions League draws Burnley next then Newcastle bring it all on Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs> 